Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. Most of these programs tell the stories of Harvest Baptist Church as we feature interviews with our members. But right now, we're in the midst of a series of following up with our pastors on a teaching time on Wednesday nights. The series is called Speaking Truth in a Season of Uncertainty. That happens every Wednesday evening via live stream. Of course, we'd like to invite you to join us for our live stream service this weekend at the church. We begin Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. You can visit our website for more, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, a church in transition from Acts 9.32 and following. Today on Harvest Time, as we begin, though, let's welcome Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Half a day, Chris. Yeah, we'll be coming back to the series that we've really enjoyed studying through the early life of the church in the book of Acts. And uh, right at the end of chapter 9, moving into chapter 10 and 11, we have a very significant transition that takes place. And uh, we'll be begin that conversation. I'm sure it's going to last us for uh, a couple of weeks. We'll finish up the end of chapter 9 and maybe even sneak a little bit into chapter 10. Still unsure about how far we get, depending on our time, but... Yeah, I think some really practical help for us about God's plan for the world it's, as it's being revealed through his people in uh, the book of Acts. So looking forward to that time. And also just tying in with what you said earlier about our, our series that we've been doing in the weekdays, we've been asking our pastors to do some discussion and, and uh, some teaching on speaking truth in a season of uncertainty. Just to review again why we've come to this topic there's a lot of different opinions out there, and we're getting a massive information coming our way. I mean, this is not even a new conversation for, any, for everybody. We know this. Different media outlets, online, just all kinds of information coming our way with lots of different opinions. And within a matter of minutes, if you get online, you can find diametrically opposed opinions about any number of topics related to the COVID-19. And it's complicated for all of us. We are having a hard time even figuring out, you know, what's going on big picture in our world, what statistics to trust. And so everybody is uh, trying to wade through all of this. But I think it's especially complicated for us as we try to think through how are we supposed to view these things, and especially as Christians. It's easy for us to hear something and it maybe connects with a way that we've thought about it before and just all of a sudden adopt some sort of perspective on life without necessarily thinking through, so how does this go through the grid of the teaching of the scripture? And so what we wanted to do, you know, six, seven weeks ago is just come through some important topics that we feel like relate in this season and just ask our pastor to do some study and then some teaching so that we, it would help us think clearly and think biblically about you know some of these things. So I know I've been challenged to think and rethink some issues, and the same again this week. We're really glad to have Jake Schnorr with us. Jake has been on our team for almost a year. Jake and Brittany came here, I guess, in, the, in July or August of last year. And Jake is an assistant to our pastors, responsible for a lot of different things, but primarily he, he uh, oversees and leads our Young Pros group, which is a group designed for singles, young professionals is really what it is, and God's doing some good work in that group. But Jake, well, first of all, welcome. Glad that you're here. Morning, guys. 
Glad to join you today. And uh, we asked Jake to do some thinking and then teaching, and I really appreciated both the article that he wrote and then the follow-up teaching, which happened on Wednesday night in our service. Uh, you can go back and look at both of those. Those are online on our website. But on the topic of uh, sickness and suffering, and of course, this makes sense to us because we're, you know, we're watching this play out in front of us. I looked again this morning. We're very thankful that here on the island so far, maybe things haven't been as bad as we potentially thought they could be. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the future holds, of course. But even now, there have been 142 cases, positive cases of COVID-19 diagnosed, and, and five people have passed away related to this. And worldwide, you know, the numbers are you know, much more significant. In the U.S. this morning, the re- most recent, 61,000 people have died in the U.S. Over a million people have been confirmed positive. And worldwide, 3.1 confirmed worldwide cases and 225,000 deaths. Mm. So those numbers are hard for us to process. But the reality is sickness is a real issue on our minds, not just worldwide, but but whether, you know, this is something we're going to have to face individually and for sure people around us. So, Jake, thanks for doing this work on here. And let me ask you some questions. We'll kind of just talk through this. As I was listening to you and, and reading what you wrote, maybe we could just start with this. Why is it so important that we have a right view of sickness and, and suffering overall in general? Yeah, I think first of all, like you just said, suffering is real. And suffering is very common all over for many people and in many ways. And especially for believers, we need to rightly understand suffering because it's promised. All those who follow Christ will suffer persecution. They, they will go through suffering. And there's just so many promises in Scripture about rewards and about how God blesses those who in, endure trials. So there are many reasons why an accurate view of suffering is beneficial, but more than anything, I mean, if you have a disproportionate view of one thing in your life, that will change the way you view almost everything else. And especially something that affects so many people, if you're viewing that the wrong way, then you're going to view those people the wrong way. And if something that God is seen as using so much, um, you're going to view God the wrong way. So I think an accurate view of suffering will help you have an accurate view of God. And there's confusion about this. I mean, it's not new right now, but, you know, there's some beliefs out there in certain groups of Christians that a Christian maybe shouldn't suffer. There's sort of a, we call it kind of a a health and wealth or theology or a prosperity gospel that says, listen, if you're walking with God, if you're doing the right things, God is going to absolutely prosper you. You can count on this. So, you know, this is a part of what we have to process through, right? That's a little bit what you're talking about, a wrong view biblically of that. How would you respond to that? Yeah. And and there's countless prosperity gospel preachers that I'm sure you've heard about, or maybe even some have, have gone to maybe services. The last church my wife and I were at, there was a couple there who had a son who was disabled really from birth. And so they heard about one of these prosperity speakers at a, a healing session. And so they took their son there. And of course, the worst reality became true to them that their son wasn't able to be healed. And the reason why is because the 
healer, quote unquote, or the preacher said, your faith isn't strong enough. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with the son. And so you can imagine the weight and just the despair the parents felt. That's just one example of the devastating effects it can have. But if any of you who are listening tuned in or were at our discipleship seminar, Matt Vaughn talked about being right interpreters of our reality. We are all receiving information constantly. And really, it's how are you interpreting your life? Are you interpreting it accurately according to God's truth? Or are you interpreting it wrong, which would then, you know, really steer you on the wrong path? So the need for being right interpreters of what goes on around us is absolutely critical. Yeah, and we have a lot of illustrations in the Bible of people that have gone through sickness and gone through suffering. In fact, Jesus does some very specific teaching on this of, I think you referenced a couple different things, but both, you know, some catastrophes that happened to people in life and what actually was the cause of that. He talks about people who had been sick Mm -hmm. and asked Mm -hmm. questions, or he was asked the question, you know, who sinned this, you know, this man or his father, you know? Yeah. So Jesus does a lot of teaching to make sure that, that we do understand clearly in order that, and I think we'll we'll come back to and talk about Job here in a little bit, but because uh, we can twist some of our theological thinking in ways that cause us to have just a distorted view of this and re- really create some problems. Absolutely. And uh, we're probably going to get into it, but I mean, Job's friends is a perfect example of starting with truth, you know, accurate views of God, but then interpreting those things wrong with their reality. They, they saw Job, and they said, well, because we know this is true about God, then you must be guilty. The suffering you have is a result of your sin because God must be good, holy, just, all those things that they say. We don't want to spend all of our time, or a lot of our time, on the, the wrong or negative views of, uh, of this. But I was interested, as you were talking about this, Jake, and really that interesting story of, of your friends. But yeah, this idea that if my loved one does not be healed, if they're not healthy, then therefore there must be a lack of faith. It can be such a devastating thought for people. And I always go back to, even as you're saying it, I I turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where it describes at the end of the passage, you know, it describes these people of faith and some of the great things that God used them to accomplish, the awesome things in their life. And then it says in sort of the end, It says, but others, right? So it talks about all these people with great faith, wonderful things they accomplished, but others had trials and uh, mockings and scourgings of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were drawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. These are the people of faith, Mm -hmm. right? And so... Whether they lived a life of, you know, what we would say is success and health, or whether they lived life filled with a lot of suffering, God was at work in all of those things for His glory, and we want to talk about that yeah. here in a minute, too. Absolutely. Well, Jake, let's be practical about this. So, so I get sick, or maybe a family member gets sick. How does a Christian view this maybe differently than a non-Christian should? Does it really matter how we look at these things? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you get sick, what's the first thing you should do? Well, 
<laughs> uh, maybe get some medicine. <laughs> yeah. Go, go to the go to the doctor. You know. But for believers, we have a very unique perspective on sickness and suffering. And what I mean by that is we know from promises like Romans 8.28 that everything that happens to us is happening for a reason and that it's not a thoughtless, mindless action that God is allowing mm-hmm. that to, to harm or to hurt, but he is using that to make us into something that he wants. So as believers, we know that when trials come and suffering comes, that God is literally changing us. I, I mentioned the word test. And the New Testament in 1 Peter 1, 7, it says, You have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so there's a couple things going on there. He's using the word test, which is often used in relation to melting down metal, often gold, which is why he compares it to gold there, and then removing the things that are not valuable. And you're left with something that is more precious and more priceless. And that is God's purpose for you. If you are a believer, if you're getting sick, God, that's not the only thing that he's doing, but one of the things he's doing is he's making you more valuable through this. You asked, I thought, some really important questions, and we don't have time to go through each of them, but maybe I'll list the three big questions that you asked, and if you want to just give us some overviews of important thoughts here. But So why is there sickness? What are the causes of sickness? And what are God's purposes for sickness? Anything that you want to kind of point us to? I know those are three big categories, but... In summary, sickness is a reality because sin is a reality. And to just to summarize that thought, God, I believe in part, shows the consequences of sickness, whether it be death or just physical pain and just seeing people who are hurting that we can't help as a picture of how he views sin. In other words, the ugliness and just the, the if you want to use morbidity of uh, physical sickness is how God views uh, sin in our lives, that it's killing us, it's eating away. It does no good and only takes away life, value, and purpose. So we have sickness because of our sin. Yeah, that's an important point and a, an important thing to understand well. So you're not necessarily saying that a person is sick because they have sinned, though sometimes that can be the case, right? We do have some clear Bible illustrations of that, but we wouldn't say foundationally, theologically, that sickness is a result of my sin. There's some sort of a punishment for it, but it is a picture for us that's very, very important. Right. And then, Jake, what are some of the other purposes, right? I think you talked about some of those. What what other things might God be doing? Yeah. Well, I, I think that any other point in a Christian's life we need to constantly be reminding of ourselves of the worth of Jesus, how much he means to us and how much we rely on Christ in our lives. Uh, John Piper makes note of this in his book, Coronavirus and Christ, but he, he refers to it as when there's sickness, we, it's like a, uh, a thunderclap, he, as he writes, as we realign 
ourselves with the infinite worth of Christ. In other words, if there's sickness in you, God is revealing your weakness, number one, but his strength. And many times during our weakness is when God, through conviction or just illumination from scripture, shows his strength. It's critical for us to realize our true source. Christ isn't just the creator of all things. Truly, God spoke everything in motion. Through the word of God, all things were created, but he's the sustainer of all things. So we, we literally can't go a second in our lives without relying on Jesus, and we forget that. And he's not just the creator or the sustainer, but he's the savior. So Jesus is everything about our lives, and we can forget the primacy of Christ. And so one of the things that I think we need to do is realign ourselves with that reality. Another thing that I think God does is simply just calls us to trust it's good and it's beneficial for us to look through scripture at examples of suffering and what did God teach that person. Right, yeah. That's, that's good. good. Yeah. But sometimes God's simply asking you, do you trust me? Right. Can you take another step without knowing for sure why? And I think that is probably more common, mm-hmm. especially if, like you said, God's not trying to pull a trick on us. Mm-hmm. He wants us to grow and know him more. And just like a loving father doesn't just want the punishment to set into the child, but he wants the change. He wants the growth. He wants more trust in light of whatever affliction that his child is going through. Well, that really brings us to a couple minutes just talking about the story of Job. There are so much packed into this story, so many things that we could learn. Maybe we can concentrate just on this part for right now, on the responses of his quote-unquote friends. Jake, tell me a little bit about that, the way that his uh, friends responded to Job. What are some of the things that we can learn about how to or how not to respond to others in pain? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the majority of Job is a conversation between technically four of his friends, but the bulk of chapters 3 to 38 is just between three. And I'll, I'll do a positive or a negative first, but then let's look at a positive reaction from his friends. First, the negative is we should never pronounce judgment on someone's sin, a believer's sin, as saying like, this is a definitive reason why you're sick because of your sin. We can't definitively know that. Only God knows. And I think it where they did good is that they started with truth, but going back to what we started talking about with they misapplied. Right. They twisted, right? I think that's what you were saying. They twisted yeah. some truth, right? Yeah, exactly. they saying things like God is just, God is all-knowing, God is holy, and we say yes and amen, but then if they don't put more pieces of the puzzle together, they're left with an insufficient view, number one, of God, but number two, of this suffering and of Job. Well, yeah, and the distortion that you're talking about of this right thinking, God's holy, God's just, he's all wise, but led them to this idea that because he is holy, wise, just, you must be guilty because you're experiencing this. So that was the subtle twist yeah. that, that you talked about that that was harmful for everybody in their thinking about sickness. Yeah, absolutely. At, at the end of the book, we see when all the pieces are finally coming together, Job's had a conversation with God. He's getting his children back. He's getting his livestock back. He's getting his life back even more so than it was at the beginning. And 
I think it's it's interesting that in verse 11 of chapter 42, we see some of Job's acquaintances. I think because they don't specify that these are the friends from earlier, these may be different friends, but we see the, the negative example of friends earlier, but now we see a positive example. Verse 11, there's three things they do, and we can maybe spend a few minutes talking about them. Yeah. But they ate food with Job mm-hmm. as a, a way to minister to him. It, King James says, bemoaned, and they bemoaned him. And I may have had to look this up, but it says, express discontent or sorrow over something. So they were just trying to come right alongside him. Right, yeah. They were just, they Felt were, his pain. They experienced it with him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Empathy, if you will. Yeah, it's a great word. And then comforted. So they, they came alongside him, if you will. The imagery put their arm around him, and then they, they tried to comfort him, lift him up a little bit. And I think with those three things, those are all very practical. It doesn't take a degree to do those things. It doesn't take a position or a title. All it takes is compassion, really. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, you know, this is so helpful for us as we think about uh, people that are sick that we maybe know immediately. But in some ways, it's a really good outline for maybe how we ought to view this whole virus pandemic. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to understand as Christians, maybe I don't have somebody in my immediate world that's passed away or... And, and we can become a little bit calloused, and sometimes we can even twist our theology mm. to say some things that perhaps they come across more as Job's counselors than mm. they would as counselors of Jesus. So even as we look generally about our world, feels like those things that you just mentioned are really yeah. practical, can help us guide our thinking about in general because people have died from this, and we do want to come alongside our world and our community in ways that would show the compassion of Christ. Yeah. We don't want our theology to be twisted mm-hmm. in order for us you know, to say things that aren't consistent with God's character. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe we'll just end with this, Jake. Just some practical ways that we could respond. Yeah, so really quick, some quick fire applications that I really think anyone going through suffering should just do these. First of all, have an attitude of thanks during a season of health. It is easy to be ungrateful or to not be content when we have health. And health is probably the number one thing we take for granted, like we deserve it. Uh, Number two, have an attitude of trust in a season of sickness. We talked about this, so we don't need to spend too much time, but are you able to trust God when you're sick or are you finding that that is somehow unjust. You're not getting what you deserve if your health is leaving. God's word, number three, has countless promises to cling to during a time of trial and suffering. And, you know, when we just think about Paul's words that's saying the light momentary affliction, even though our outer selves are wasting away is literally what he says. Mm-hmm. Our inner selves are being renewed day by day. That's a promise. Right. That's not, you might be being renewed, it's a promise, even though our outer selves are wasting away, God is renewing the inner man day by day. We talked about rewards. James 1 says there's a crown of life promised to those who endure suffering, who endure the, the trial of life. And then number five, just a quick application, is we need to lighten the load through prayer. We carry so much that we don't need to, and the way that we release that pressure, asking God to handle our situation, that is accomplished through prayer. 
Well, this has been really helpful, Jake. Thanks for putting in the, the time and the study and then communicating so clearly with us. We're praying as a church family that we would evidence a good biblical view and we'd respond to people around us in ways that would evidence you know, God's character. So thank you for joining us. And next week, Chris, I think we'll come back. Pastor Jeremy is going to be talking about just our response to government. So that'll be interesting to come back to this next week. Well, thank you for listening to Harvest Time this week. Of course, we want to invite you to our live stream service this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. We begin Sunday morning, 1030 a.m. You can check our website for details, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, a church in transition, Acts 932 and following. We also are carrying, by the way, the Sunday morning live stream here on 88.1 FM and on khmg.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.